Praise the Lord. Tell you, it's really a blessing for me to hear all of these uh, Bible college directors speak. I feel like a proud papa, even though some of them are older than me. But what a blessing. And uh, it's just amazing what God can do with a life. And many of you sitting there are just a miracle waiting to be unwrapped to find out who you are and what you can do. Okay, so uh, let's, we're going to go into Leland Shores ministering, and Leland is going to minister for the next, what, 50 minutes, something like that. And if you need to take a break, I guess now would be the time to do it. I hate to let you go. But, uh, so anyway, if you need to get up and do something, fine. But we're going to have Leland minister. And let me just real quickly introduce Leland by saying that uh, we uh, just got back from Uganda. That's where Leland and Ann Petrie are running our ministry over there. And God is just doing a miracle. A friend of mine, Bob Nichols, Pastor Bob Nichols from Fort Worth, Texas, has a Bible, I mean a um, television network in uh, Uganda. And they took over a uh, tower that the Chinese communists put in for Idi Amin to broadcast propaganda over uh, Uganda. And anyway, they took that over and with the help of TBN, TBN helped buy some of the equipment. But Pastor Bob Nichols has been operating this uh, television station for the last decade or more. I'm not sure the exact length of time. And it's a 50,000 watt television station that covers all of Kampala, uh, millions of people. And I mean, it is just dominant. When we were there, we, we went in to uh, buy things, a little souvenir shop, and the guy watched me on television every day, gave us a deal. Uh, we went to eat, and the waitresses recognized us. Actually, there are more people, there are a higher percentage of people that watch the television in Uganda, probably than anywhere I've ever been, and it's just making a huge impact. And then on top of that, uh, Don Crow, who was an associate with me, uh, he took a bunch of students over to Uganda, and many things happened, but Leland went over and started a discipleship program, which I'm probably going to be talking about that some uh, this morning in some other morning meetings. And he started discipling. I think there was 800 pastors in the first group of pastors that he took. And these 800 pastors represented like over 60,000 people in their church. And so Leland taught them these discipleship uh, messages. And then they went back and taught the people in their church. And then I think it was three years ago that I went over for the very first time. And I was privileged to go speak to these people that had been discipled by Leland. And I was just blown away. I was amazed because uh, at that time we didn't have any of my materials translated. And so Leland was just having to teach these things live and then go through an interpreter. And yet when I got there and heard the testimonies, he had people testify in every single place we went to, they were being transformed exactly the way God had changed me. I mean, they had never heard me. They had never seen me. And yet they were talking about things that were just, it was amazing to me. And it was just the power of the word. It is not the messenger. It is the message. And Leland discipled those people. And I was so impressed. Uh, we're going to have an ordination this week. And we ordained Leland at one of our summer family Bible conferences. And I remember speaking over him that God was going to give him supernatural favor and connections and that he would stand before the president and the first lady 
of Uganda and, and have inroads that would just be miraculous. And our second trip over there, I was privileged to be with him when he stood before the president and the first lady. We got to go in and meet with them. And I tell you, I talked to the first lady for a while, and then I introduced Leland, and it's, you could just see this supernatural favor. She just forgot me, and she just zeroed in on Leland. I mean, it was awesome to be present and see what God did. And typically, the guy that took us in says that, you know, you never get more than 15, maybe 20 minutes with the president and first lady. And they gave us something like 50 minutes, I think. And, and just says, you call me back. I want to go through your discipleship course. Loved it. And so anyway, God has done miracles. Now we have a Bible school and uh, a bookshop that is located in the heart of Kampala, it's in the busiest section. There must be 20 or 30,000 people a day that walk by our bookshop. And uh, we have the TV pro- programs playing all of the time and materials going out. They have, I don't know, 50 to 100 people born again per week in the book bookshop. Uh, materials are going out. And uh, they just recently started a Bible school in Uganda. I think it's only been going four or five months. And uh, Leland and Ann are just doing an awesome job. Ann is teaching on prosperity, and they're teaching these Ugandans that are a third world country. And many people would say that you can't see the gospel prosper over there, but they are actually charging the equivalent of $800 to come to school, which in a third world country is unheard of. And yet they felt like that the people needed to do it, and they have taught them, and people are paid up. They're prosperous. I got 50-something students. We just had 200 uh, a couple of weeks ago that said that they're coming. The school is growing exponentially, and they are prosperous. And I'm amazed at how the Word of God's working. And anyway, Leland and Ann are just doing an awesome, awesome job. I can't say enough good things about what they're doing. So anyway, it's a real blessing to uh, have Leland Shores come minister this morning and just share with you some of the things that God's doing in his life uh, and in Uganda. So Leland, come up, share the word of God. Praise the Lord. And Leland found his wife in Uganda and he married a beautiful woman, Carol and her family. They are just awesome. We support their orphanage. Uh, his parents-in-law run an orphanage over there, Divine yeah. Orphanage. And, and those of you who are partners with us, we've now given, uh, I don't know how much, but thousands of dollars. And we're helping build orphanages. And, and it's just tremendous what God's doing. So this is Leland Shores. Whoops. I do. Yeah, thanks. Let's put that right over here, Paul. Good morning, everyone. How are you? This is good. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. You know, uh, first I just want to, my wife sends you greetings. Uh, She's not able to be here uh, this time. She's in her licensing year of law school. And it is a very, very difficult year. Uh, For the first three terms since August of last year, we've been uh, I take her to school at seven in the morning and she doesn't get finished till nine o'clock at night, six days a week. So she has passed all of her exams. Praise the Lord. They only pass about 20% of the people that enroll in this year long course. So she's passed and they've passed her on to the final term. So she'll be done. And 
with me next year. Praise the Lord. Amen. I just want to thank Ann for being here. Uh, Ann is an awesome administrator, and God has just really started beginning to build our team in Uganda. I want to say hello to uh, all of our students that are watching in Uganda at 7 p.m. there. And so many of them have found live streaming, and so they're watching. So I just want to say hello. And they also said for us to be very specific in sending their greetings to you. Praise the Lord. I also want to say hello to my parents who are watching and my brother and sister. And uh, I talked to my mom last night and I was telling her about this. And it kind of reminds me of the story, you know, Andrew talks about talking to his mom. And, you know, moms have a tendency to keep you very humble. And uh, I was telling her about all of this. And she said, you know, you're just a miracle. She said, you really are a miracle. This is just really something, isn't it? And I said, it really is, because the truth be known, I really shouldn't be standing here today, amen, but for the love and and grace of God. And so I'm really excited to teach you today, and we're going to learn some exciting things. Last year, I taught on spiritual position, and this year, I'm going to pick up from that, and uh, I'm going to teach you about living in the moment Hallelujah. Uh, Last night when Andrew said, I'm going to be ministering out of Matthew 13 and 14, I got very excited because today I'm going to minister to you out of Matthew chapter 6. But you know, these uh, and everything that the, the, the directors were talking about this morning, it just all blends together. So I will tell you, it's going to be a very exciting week because it's a very timely message. You know, we talk about the the dynamics of uh, spirit, soul, and body and understanding that. And it's like, excuse me, as I was teaching that this year, the Lord said it's like a car. You can know that you have an engine in your car, but if you don't understand the engine when it begins to knock, you're at the mercy of the mechanic who tells you what's wrong. And if that mechanic is not honest, you know, he's going to lead you down a path and he's going to rip you off. Well, you know, that is what we're facing in many of the churches today. You know, when we hear a knock in our engine, we just go to a mechanic and we just trust what he says. And we really need to understand there's a difference between knowing and understanding. And so we really need to understand not only who we are, but how to do it, or what is the how. And when Andrew was talking last night about looking up, I got very excited because I'm going to just hit on that today. But uh, the very first revelation that God gave to me, uh, Andrew was talking about, you know, these first words that God really spoke to him in Matthew many years ago. And seven years ago on, I think it was June the 6th, I was in between my first and second year of Bible college. I was living in this little apartment. It was... Oh, one o'clock in the morning, and I heard an audible voice say, Matthew six seventeen, and I jumped up. I thought someone had broken into my house. I thought some of my friends were playing a joke on me. You know how you are when you're dead asleep, but it was the Lord. And so I ran to my Bible, you know, and I opened it up, and I Matthew six seventeen, and it says, But thou, when thou fasteth, anoint thine head and wash thy face. And I was like, okay. (laughs) 
So I marked my Bible, I closed it, I put it, and I went back to sleep. I thought, man, you know, I was expecting something really big. And here was this little bitty scripture. But after a couple of days, the Lord began to, you know, I began to read that. And really what that says, it's right in the middle of the sixth chapter. And it says, you know, when you sacrifice, you know, be happy about it, basically. And I began to study that. And and then the Lord began to take me backwards through the first part of Matthew. And I learned a lot about how we're to give, how we're to pray, you know, all of those things. But then I was in praise and worship in the early fall of uh, my second year. And I was just in the throne room of God. And I could see down into the classroom from where I was. But I, was, I had my head on Jesus' knee. And I was looking down into the classroom and God was just, stro- or Jesus was just stroking, you know, my head and comforting me. And he said to me, you know, isn't it sad that all of these people are so concerned about what they've got to do next that they're missing what I have for them right now? And he said, Leland, I want you to start living moment by moment. And boy, I jumped up. I was so excited. I mean, I started hollering. I mean, it was just, and, but I didn't understand it. It sounded good, but I didn't have an understanding of it. And so that was seven years ago. And it really is the first revelation that God began to. Then he began to take me through the second part of Matthew uh, chapter 6. And what I've learned out of that. I'm going to show you today, and I'm going to talk about it. And really, uh, we're going to talk about time. All right? I praise God for the people I know that are directors of other schools because as I was getting this revelation and studying it, I was really like, God, this is really great, but how do you put it into action? I had the revelation of spirit, soul, and body. I understood that. But it was like, okay, so how do we live this? How does, you know, there has to be a way to do it. God never asks you to do something. He doesn't give you the where or the why or the when without giving you the how. Praise the Lord. And I was like, God, how is this done? And Cindy Quarles sent me an email And it was about a word. And I mean, I read it and all of a sudden it just opened up. Praise the Lord. And so that's what I'm going to share with you today. And it is about living in the moment. And living in the moment is a principle that is, I mean, it is established throughout the New Testament. Paul understood it. I mean, Jesus was teaching it in Matthew 6, and so I'm going to teach it to you today. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to, I'm going to illustrate like I did last year. And uh, I just know that God is going to expand the time so I can get it all in like I did last year. But time is a dimension. All right? Now, there are two words for time that we can understand. The first word for time is chronos. All right? This is a horizontal 
dimension of time. Can I have the past and the present or the past and the future come up real quick? Okay, so you stand right here. So, there we go. So, we have chronological time here, all right? Chronological time is time that moves from the past to the future, all right? In other words, it's tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, all right? Now, this is a time dimension, if we understand it, of the world. This is the dimension of time where we're either condemned by the past, all right, or we're worrying about the future. Are you with me? And it is the time, this is the area where Satan has access to. All right. You see, when Lucifer became Satan, he actually, when he was Lucifer, he moved in two time dimensions. He moved horizontally on the physical earth, but he also moved uh, uh, vertically into God's timing. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have you guys move down like right there. there. Now, <clears throat> I need the Theos. I need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Not the Spirit yet. I want you guys to come up here. All right. So we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Father, and we have Jesus. We have the Trinity. Amen. Now... There's another word for time, and that word is kairos. Kairos is a vertical dimension of time, and I want to read you the definition of kairos. Kairos is an ancient Greek word meaning the right or opportune moment. The supreme moment. Hello? The ancient Greeks had two words for time, chronos and kairos. While the former, chronos, refers to chronological or sequential time, the latter signifies a time in between a moment of undetermined Period of time. Hello? That means it expands. That means it's expansive. All right? In other words, it comes in and it steps into this or it comes in and it expands. All right? Which in which, in which, all right? Something special happens. Chronos is space of time, is quantitative, and kairos, which is a measure of time, is qualitative by nature. 
in theology to describe the qualitative form of time, kairos is a passing instant when an opening appears which must be driven through uh, if success is to be achieved. In other words, in the New Testament, kairos means the appointed time in the purpose of God. Hello? The time when God acts. All right? Where's Wayne? No, stand right here. In other words, if I had a rope that came from here, Cairo's time is this. Hello? I'll let that soak in for just a moment. You see, God's timing, God never moves. God is, I am. All right? I am is the Hebrew, Ami, which means to be present. Amen? So, actually, what happens here is that when in God's timing, once the future moves to here, you see, God doesn't move this way or this way. He is present. Amen? Therefore, the past, come this way, stand right here. In other words, when tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, all right? In other words, everything comes to here. And what was the future once it gets to here? There is no past. In God's eyes, there is no past. There is only the moment. Amen? Have you got that? So now, let's add in and look at how this affects us. Praise the Lord. Then I'm going to take you to Scripture... And then I'm going to show you some things throughout the New Testament. But this word kairos is used 87 times in the New Testament. It's talking about the moment of time. And when it's used, it's used at the end usually of a story. It's used in the parable of the rich man. Amen. It's used in the parable of the tares. And, you know, you have to be careful because when you come to it and it says, and the time... You know, it's talking about in the moment is when all of this that Jesus has talked about or Paul is talking about happens. Amen. So I need the spirit. Come up here, Ivani. All right. So we know that when we're born again, our spirit is born of God. All right. Let her in. Praise the Lord. And she is sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise as the guarantee of the inheritance for the purchased possession. Amen. Amen. 
Now, back up just a little bit. Now, if I was going to draw this on the board, we have the, the spirit and the soul, all right? But there is this connecting point here, which I, I'm going to show you. And this is where the mind and the heart are, okay? So I need the mind. It says when we're born again, we also get a new mind and a new heart, Okay. She's a lady. Now you see when we're born again, our spirit is sealed into this position. Amen? In other words, this is how God sees us. He's not looking down. We have to understand that, that, that we need to look at things from a spiritual perspective because God is a spirit. Amen? And so when we're born again, the whole purpose of what Jesus did was to bring us into this place so that our spirit would be sealed for eternity. This is eternal life. The thing is, how do we get it out into the moment? Amen. Now, the mind is a very important thing. You see, it's the connecting point here with the spirit. And we spend very little time really understanding how important the mind is. Now, in the parable of the sower, which I am sure Andrew is going to talk about, if he says he's going to talk about uh, Matthew chapter 13. But let me just say this. Jesus said, if you can understand this parable, it will unlock the mystery of the kingdom. And you will understand unlocking the mystery of the kingdom is talking about our relationship with God. It's not talking about a place. It's talking about our relationship. In other words, it says, if you can understand this parable, it will unlock and you will understand how to have a relationship with God. Praise the Lord. So it talks about that we are the sower. All right. And our heart is the ground and the word is the seed. Well, the place that the seed enters, all right, is the mind. Hello? It can only only enter into one place. And it is the mind. And whatever you put in your mind, if I had a vow, if I had a hat to put on Kitty and I could put a valve on it, or I could put a scoop in her hand... The mind is the entry point of either the world or the word. We're either sowing the world into our, we're either allowing the world to come into our mind or we're allowing the word to come into our mind. And I'm going to show you in Matthew chapter 6 all of this, but I want to set it up so I can kind of point to it. All right. But our mind and Andrew was talking about this last night in our, in our heart. These are very this is such an important aspect because it is the place it says, you know, in Romans uh, uh, 12 to it says, you know, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, by what you put into your mind. Amen. So whatever comes into our mind is then established in our heart. Can you come up? 
Amen. Now you see, these work together. They're like a hinge. All right? They're the connecting point. But you see, whatever comes into our mind is then established in the ground of our heart. Amen? And there are four types of hearts. There are four types of ground. Now what's interesting in Mark is that when Mark says about the good ground, it says, and the seed that is sown into the good ground, it springs up, it increases, and then it produces. Now let me just say something about that. If I planted 10 corn seeds, how many stalks of corn would I get? 10. And those 10 would produce. All right? But this says that when we plant, it springs up and it increases. And then it produces. That is supernatural. That is the supernatural power of the word. In other words, it's like when it's planted in good ground, it increases and it's like it pushes the other out. And it produces. Amen? That's big. How can you produce a hundredfold out of something if you just have 10 and you get 10? You know, you have, that has to produce a lot. The only way you can really produce a hundredfold return is increase. And that is supernatural. You know, the interesting thing is Jesus gave the parable and then he gave the illustration. He said, you know, the word is like a mustard seed. That's very small. And he said, if you plant it, it goes and then it produces this tree. So this means that even the smallest word in our mind, planted in our heart, can produce this huge result. Amen? And so it is our heart then, where's the soul? Connect to the heart. There you go. Now, it is only what's established in the heart, all right, that will transform our will, our thoughts, and our emotions, our soul. Are you hearing me? And let me tell you what. If you're sowing seeds of fornication, your soul is going to end up telling your body to fornicate. If you're planting seeds of, of abuse in your mind and it's being established in your heart, your soul and your body are going to be abusive. All right? But when we start planting the word and the word becomes established, what happens is that, you see, this is the mirror right here. And let me tell you something about the spirit. The Holy Spirit... The moment that we get born again, the Holy Spirit is telling our spirit everything that God had planned for it since before God spoke us into existence. It's continuing to minister about everything that God has done and is going to do. All right? So our spirit is just waiting for our soul to come 
and lock in. So that our spirit, you know, our soul will say, you know what the word, this is what the word says about me. And the spirit says, yes, I know. And let me tell you something else. And the soul says, and this is what the word says about me. And the spirit says, yes. And let me tell you something else. So you see, there is this relationship that, that, that locks in here and our body Our body has to follow. Now, I want you guys to lock arms like that, okay? Now, do you see that I am, this moment has, has never moved? Even though the, the past 10 seconds or the future, you know, time is moving towards us, has come, God has never moved. All right? Now, let me take you out just a little bit, and I want to turn you like this. Now, hook your, let me have this arm here. Now, let me show you how important this is. And this is what Andrew was talking about last night when Jesus looked up. All right? I mean, Jesus wasn't thinking about, the, you know, what happened yesterday or what was going to happen tomorrow. You know, he was in this place of I am. All right? But here's where the disciples were. The disciples were on this thing of being worried about the past, you know, worried about the past or concerned about the future. Hello? They were on the horizontal timeline and they were missing the moment because they had no spiritual perspective. Jesus hadn't died, Jesus hadn't risen, Jesus hadn't ascended, but he was giving them all the information so that when they received the Holy Spirit, they would understand it. Just like when Jesus sent those guys back to John in the prison, after he had performed all the miracles, and he said, you go tell John what you've seen. They didn't walk back and pat him on and say, Jesus really said great things about you. He took John back to the word and John, when it clicked in him, understood that Jesus was the Messiah. All right. Well, let me tell you, we do the same thing. We get so concerned and condemned. Satan will take us and condemn us about the past. Or he will make us worry about the future. Hello? And we miss the moment. We miss I am. That's why when our heart pulls our soul, y'all come this way, into alignment here, our body, our physical, what we see, has to be That's I am. Yeah. You see, 
in the moment, when we get to the place of being here, when our soul becomes transformed in the image of what's been done in our born-again spirit, our body has no choice but to produce the result of love, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, good behavior, all of those things, because that is the seed and the fruit of what is in our spirit. Now I want you all to move back. Just all walk back. Now I'm going to show you something very powerful. Now you think that when you see Dannon, you're just seeing Dannon. But Dannon is like a big puppet. What really, when Dannon walks into a room, everyone walk together. Look at what is behind him. I know I look very smart today. The Lord dressed me up very nicely. But I'm just a puppet. What you see is not who I am. And this is why when Jesus, it says, as he is, so are we in this world. And when we get into this place of alignment into Kairos time, into God's timing, all right? It's like Jesus reaches through our mind, our heart, our soul, and into our body. And so when, let me have your hand, Dan. So when Danon reaches out and he says, stand up, and he says, be healed in the name of Jesus, it is Jesus. It's not Danon. It is Jesus reaching through him because everything that Christ is, he is in this world. Okay, Wayne, thanks. Uh, sit over here, Wayne. Yeah, or, or over here. Now, let me show you this. All right? Hold out your hands. And I'm going to discuss this. Now I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 6 and I want to show you some things. All right? This is good, isn't it? In verse 19, he says, lay not up for yourselves. That word lay up is a metaphor for our daily activities. All right, if you study it. Amen. It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Well, our treasure is talking about our relationship. All right. Because out of our relationship, Danon was talking this morning about building our house. You know, that is talking about when it says you're responsible for building your building. That's talking about our soul. Hello. Jesus is the foundation what are we building? We're building our relationship. And we're either going to build it out of, out of our, our relationship with God is either going to be uh, gold, silver, precious stones. Hello? Or wood, hay, and stubble. It's either going to be our building, our soul is either going to be transformed through our relationship with God and it's going to be transformed into the image of what's been done in our born-again spirit or it's going to be transformed into the image of what we're doing in the world. 
And it says one day it will be tested by fire and whatever is left you'll receive a reward for. And it goes on to say that if it all burns up and it's all ashes, that's okay because your, your, your foundation is not changed. Hello? So you're building your building. Amen? The, the, I think one of the most important messages of our ministry is relationship with God. And that is, our, you know, our soul can only be transformed through our relationship with God. It cannot be done out of our own works. We can't receive salvation through our own works, and we can't transform through our own works. But we do have a responsibility to transform our will, our thoughts, and our emotions through the Word. Through what is put in our mind. So it says, lay not up, your daily activity should not be about the earth where the thief can break in. And that word break in, if you really want to understand it, you have to look at the other two verses it's used in, in the scripture. And it means to literally break through the wall of a house. Well, if our soul is out here just being fed the world... It gives Satan an opportunity to break into our mind and break into the wall of our building. You all are very quiet. Everyone smile. I say that to my students all the time. Because when we begin to ponder things, you know, we kind of look like we're not very happy. Come on back. Now he says, But... Lay up for yourself treasure. In other words, your daily activity, you're building your relationships in heaven. Amen. Where moth and nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. In other words, when we're in this place, Satan cannot break through. He can't get into our mind. You see, this is the only place where he has access. And when our soul and everything is pulled into place here, you see, Satan can't break in. Because our mind says, listen, this is who I am. You need to go play somewhere else. You know, when Satan goes, oh, those people talk so mean to you. Let's, let me in. Let's have a little party. You say, go knock somewhere else. This is who I am. You know, when Satan comes and says, you remember all that stuff you used to do and what people are thinking about you and blah, 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 blah. And you say, you know what? In God's eyes, there is no past. He took care of my past. Go knock somewhere else. Or when Satan comes and says, you know what? Your car payment's due, your house payment is due, and you have $10 in your pocket. How do you think you're going to do that? And you say, I'm not going to because I'm living in the moment. And everything that God has for me is coming to me. Because that's what the Word says. He says, the light, listen, the light of the body. That word light means candle. All right? Of the body. All right? The light, what sheds light? Uh, in, your, in other words, the result of your physical actions. I'm going to move this down a bit. because I'm Sorry. That'll be good on the DVD. <laughs> all right. He says, 
Oh, let me go back. He says, for where your, in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He didn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be there. It's like where your relationship is, that's where your heart is. In other words, what is established in your heart will determine your relationship and the treasure that's being laid up. Hello? That word heart, cardia, is used, I think, over 300 times. And Andrew was talking about last night. It is important for us to understand that everything happens in our heart. What goes in our mind is established in our heart. He was talking about how they broke the loaves and the fishes. You see, Jesus wasn't thinking about how am I going to do this. He was in the moment. And I'm going to share with you, and in the moment... You see, everything not only comes through God, but it comes to him. It's like a 90 degree angle. Amen. So he broke it because he knew it was coming through him. And he knew that when he handed it to the disciples, it was coming through them. They were in the moment. It was supernatural increase. I love it. He said, Jesus looked up. It's like he knew what was established in his heart. That is so awesome. Therefore, because of that, God's timing, Kairos, God was able to break through into that moment and provide supernaturally for 10,000, 15,000 people. Hello? Now, he says... The light of the body <clears throat> is the eye. The word eye there is, is the word mind. Hello? In other words, what goes into our mind, all right, lights our whole body. If therefore thine eye is single, thy whole body shall be full of light. In other words, what you're putting into your mind is going to come out through your body, through your physical actions. And it's either going to be light or it's going to be darkness. I'm going to move ahead. Uh, <clears throat> he says, no man can serve, in verse 24, two masters. This is a big scripture. He says, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Hook your arms together. You cannot, turn this way. Hook arms with Dan, there you go. <laughs> you can't be doing this, mammon, all right? You can't be in two different time zones at the same time. You're either in the time zone of the world or you are in the time, time zone and dimension of God. Because you're going to either hate the one and love the other, which is physical, or you're going to despise one. You're still going to say, well, you know what, I'm a Christian, I'm doing all this. But in your mind, you're not seeing, you know... All this stuff happens, so really you despise God in your mind, even though you look really good on the outside.
Now it's going to get good. Here's the word therefore. That means this is a conclusion to what he just said. He says, I say to you, take no thought. Now it's translated in the New King James to do not worry. But this is important. Take no thought. Where do we have our thoughts in our mind? About, he says, take no thought for your life. Now this is an important phrase. For your life. The word life there is the word psyche, which is our soul. Is there anybody here? What you shall eat or what you shall drink or yet for your body, what you will put on it. He says, don't take any thought. You know, Jesus was trying to tell them the most important thing is the transformation in your relationship with God. The transformation of your life, your psyche, your soul. So don't quit thinking about what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink, what you're going to eat, what you're going to do physically. You need to be concerned about your relationship. And he says it right here. He says, is not the life. Hello? Before he said, don't think about your life. But then he says, is not the life. Is not the transformation of your soul. Is not your relationship with God more than meat and the body more than remnant. Then he goes in and he gives us, uh, he says, behold the fowls of the air. Now listen to this. They neither sow, they neither reap, and they don't gather into barns. Now there's a message all in that. They don't do anything and yet God takes care of them and he says, will he not take care of you much more? Then he says, which of you by taking thought can add anything to you? He says, and why take ye thought? Again, he's he's saying this. This is the second time he said it. Or the third. Uh, What he said, and why take ye thought for what you're going to wear? Consider the lilies of the field. Hello? The lilies of the field. He said, let me, he said, they neither, uh he said, they neither toil nor spin. They neither toil nor spin. They just are. He said in Solomon, in all of his glory, in all that he had, was not clothed like the lily. In other words, Solomon had a great deal of wisdom, but he didn't understand the moment. He said, Solomon, and all that he had, didn't have what I'm telling you. I'm going to go to verse 31. He says again, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or or wherewithal, what shall we be clothed? Hello? Hello? Jesus is continuing to tell us to not consider what's going on in the world. To get off the horizontal timeline. And get into Kairos time 
which is where he is able to act to come through us and to come to us. Now I'm going to make my point. He says, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, the unbelievers, the people of the world. He said, after all this, he says, for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Hello? Hello? He says, why are you worrying about them? God already knows what you need. Things. Things. God knows. Then he says, but. Now, where there's that word, but, I've learned that whatever is after, after it is much more important than what was before it. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, everlasting life supersedes everything else. So here's a very important clue. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hello? But seek ye first your relationship with God and his righteousness, his way of doing things. And all these things will be added unto you. It didn't say given. It says added. Now let me show you what that looks like. You guys come up here. Come up here. All right. Hold your hands out. Clothes, money, houses, cars. Okay? Now watch this. Tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. But not only that, it's like tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. You see, not only do we receive it, but we also give it. But let me tell you something. You can't be the the conduit of God's prosperity if you don't understand who you are in him and you are not lined up because when he tells you to do something, when your spirit speaks to your soul, if your soul is running on the, the timeline here, it will not be obedient. It will just be tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. And you know, and then he says, don't think about tomorrow. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. I didn't say that tomorrow is going to take care of you. It says tomorrow is going to take care of itself. And then he says, sufficient for the day 
is its own evil. I'm still studying that out, but that's a big statement. You know, Jesus didn't talk about the past because in God's eyes, there really is no past. Because once the tick talks, it doesn't exist. All that there is is the moment and living in the moment. And I will tell you, personally, I'm learning to do this. It's like I don't run around looking for things. I, everything is drawn to Jesus. And if Jesus is in me, as he is, so am I in this world, then it has to come. You know, last night, God gave me a vision of Andrew in this place. And everything that he's done. I mean, I've been in this ministry when I came to school. We were in that little bitty building on Robinson. And I'm going to tell you, in the last eight years... I've seen Andrew live in the moment, and I've seen the tick and the talk deliver to him everything that God has spoken. And not only have I seen it delivered to him, but I've also seen him be obedient in the tick and the talk to distribute, all right, as well. Praise the Lord. So we need to learn to live... In the moment. Praise God. I have two minutes and I want to share one passage of scripture. There are 87 passages of scripture, but I just want to share this one thing. Because it is what Andrew was talking about partially last night. Okay. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you really have to take it from verse 7 all the way through to 15. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to go to 14. He says, but by an equality. Hello? But by an equality... That now at this time, now at this moment, your abundance may be a supply for their want and their abundance also may be a supply for your want. That there may be equality. Hello? As it is written, he that is gathered much had nothing over, and that he, that he had gathered little had no lack. In other words, this idea is it, is, it is just as important for us to understand that what's coming to us is also going through us. And there is an equality to it. Amen? And this whole concept is all the way through the New Testament scripture. Amen? Paul talks about it when he talks about, you know, us doing something. He talks about it in Romans 5, in Romans 8. I mean, the whole armor of God when he goes to that and he says, praying always. That word always is the word kairos. Praying in the moment. Hallelujah. So I just praise God. You know, this is, a, this is something we've taught our students and we're seeing awesome results. 
Because in Uganda, people are always worrying about how they're going to do something or how they're going to get their rent paid or how their tuition. And when we teach people to really stand in their relationship with God, because it's all about relationship, we see the provision of God come and we see them give out. And so that's my story. I'm sticking to it. And I've enjoyed this hour. God bless you. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Leland. You're welcome, Andrew. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Leland's a blessing. Wished every one of you could be in Uganda and see the fruit that is coming out of Leland and Ann and their team. And uh, it's just awesome. It's really awesome. You know, it has blessed me so much to see the way that not only Leland, but every one of our directors, every person that's out ministering is getting the same fruit. The same thing is happening every place that we go. And that just reaffirms to me that it is not a person. It's not a personality. It's not an anointing on an individual. It's the message. It's the truth that sets people free. And I am really, really excited about that. That's just awesome. Amen. Well, it's my turn, but you know what? I know that the heart can't absorb more than the seat can endure. So let's everybody stand up, at least move around. If you need to take a break, if you need to go out for a moment, uh, do that quickly and um, just stretch, hug somebody, tell them you love them. Don't go very far because I want to minister. But um, we'll take just a couple of minutes break here.